Chapter Fifteen of France to Scandinavia by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Among the Farmers, the Rhone Valley, where I am now, has furnished the answer to my question in Paris. Where do the market men get the vast quantities of foodstuffs I saw in their stalls? The land here is covered with luxuriant crops. There are no fences and nature's great patchwork stretches out on every side as far as my eyes can reach. Just now we are driving past a wheat field in which blood-red poppies, as big around as a teacup, look out of the green. On the other side of the road is a hay field where women and girls are working side by side with the men, and farther on is a great expanse of wheat, with women bent half-double pulling the weeds. The women here work as hard as the men. They do all sorts of field labor, and you see them scattered over every landscape. They are even more thrifty than the men, and are the great savers of the French people. The French are economical farmers. With them a penny saved is two pence earned, and they see that nothing goes to waste. They live as cheaply as any people of Europe. The average farmer starts out to work on black bread and vegetable soup, or he may have only bread and cheese and a glass of wine. At noon he will have a vegetable soup and perhaps fried potatoes, and in the evening the same. He has wine at every meal, for it is one of the cheapest of drinks. Nearly everyone keeps a goat, although but few drink the milk, for goat's milk will make cheese. The work among the farmers goes on throughout the week and often on Sunday as well. The fields are full of Sunday workers. While the church bells are ringing, Mechanics are plying their trades, and the ordinary stores and workshops are open. There are two million more farm owners in this little republic than in our big one over the water. The average holding is less than six acres, and thousands own little tracts upon which they live, working a part of the year for someone else. The roads and streams and little canals of France are lined with poplars. I can see long lines of them cutting the landscape in every direction. Some of the trees are a hundred feet tall. They are bare of branches, with only a tassel left on the top. Others are full-limbed, and some are just sprouting new growth on all sides. These poplars are grown for their branches and are finally cut down for wood or for furniture. The branches grow rapidly. They are cut off year after year, put up into bundles, and sold to the bakers to make the hot fires necessary for the crisp crust on the French bread. There is such a demand that raising them is a national industry. The poplars are planted in places which are good for nothing else, and after five years, each will annually yield an appreciable sum. Willows are grown in the same way, and their sprouts are used for baskets. The French make money out of chestnuts. They grow varieties from two to three times as large as the American chestnut, and sell them to the fruit stands and groceries. The nuts are used to dress turkeys, geese, chickens, and game, and also for desserts. The confectioners make candy of them, and the best candy chestnuts bring high prices. There are large establishments in France which do nothing else. One at Lyon handles 25 million pounds of chestnuts a year. In southern France, Spain, and Italy, chestnuts are ground into a meal and used for bread. The French have one million acres devoted to gardens and fruits, and in riding over the country, one passes fields of hot beds and sees glass frames 
propped over plants outside the beds in many places glass bells are used to cover the individual plants and there are some sections which raise potatoes under glass for export to london the people have studied the soil and the sun and they coax as much work as possible from both they feed the growing things and sometimes get three crops a year through intensive cultivation near cherbourg cabbage is raised early in february after it is taken off a crop of potatoes is planted and a third crop comes on in the autumn this is on land that has been used for generations and still we americans talk of old mother earth's being worn out nothing of the kind the old lady has all the possibilities of perpetual youth but coquette that she is she must be petted and fed with the dainties she loves to make her yield her best crops this is especially true of the vineyards which have been cultivated for centuries the french vines are cut back every year and every vine has its own stake to grow on one of the odd features of fruit growing here is the method of training the trees against stone walls which when warmed by the sun act as radiators and make the fruit ripen earlier i have seen garden after garden outside big french cities walled in this way it is estimated that there are four hundred miles of such walls in the suburbs of paris and that they annually yield twelve million peaches the peaches are sold singly and bring fancy prices indeed i have seen peaches sell for one dollar each but they were raised under glass suburban paris has pear orchards that produce as much as three hundred dollars per acre and there is one five-acre orchard noted for its early pears which brings more than two thousand dollars a year every french country community has its clubs where the farmers meet and discuss how to market their crops the farmers combine and buy their fertilizer at wholesale and appeal to the railroads for low freight rates not only the farmers but the railroad officials the bankers and the merchants come to these club meetings the railroad men are asked to advise the farmers as to what they should do about transportation and markets and the bankers and merchants give their counsel about money matters in america the farmer usually has but little to do with the city man and seems to be jealous and afraid of him the french farmer is willing to say there may be some brains outside his own class and he is glad to take advantage of them most of the farmers in france belong to agricultural syndicates of which there are altogether several thousand these syndicates are for the general furthering of the farming and commercial interests of the members they are established under a national law and are organized into unions which work together for the interests of their class they have a head office at paris which negotiates with the railroads as to freight rates and also pushes agricultural interests before the french parliament among other thrifty organizations are the workmen's aid societies formed to give their members money in their old age the members enter when young and at fifty-five expect to have enough saved to be able to retire and live on their pensions the amount of pension is in proportion to the length and amount of saving and the members range all the way from three to sixty years old hundreds of school children belong to such associations and the government itself aids in their support the societies are under the control of the department of the interior and the officials believe that they help to prevent strikes and divert the members from communistic and socialistic tendencies 
these associations were created just after the french revolution and are in a thriving condition today they can be organized by any group of workmen or employees some of them are composed of clerks some of sales girls and many of factory hands the members are required to pay monthly dues and the money is invested in government bonds at three per cent which interest goes on at a compound rate and accumulates the vast amounts which are given out as old age pensions there are also accident societies and associations formed by the different railroad companies and other large corporations for their employees it is wonderful how the money grows out of these small savings two cents a day laid aside for sixteen years gives an income of about two dollars and fifty cents a month from that time on and large sums produce money in the same proportion such societies can be formed in any community and deposits can be made wherever there is a post office the smallest deposit is a franc but postage stamps are accepted and many poor people buy saving stamps and paste away a cent at a time until they can make up the deposit for a month i have before me figures showing the savings of the french people during the first six months of a typical year they amount to more than one billion gold dollars of this more than half has gone to the purchase of shares and bonds which directly or indirectly will help in the rebuilding of france a great part of it has been invested in short-term treasury bonds at four and one-half percent interest deposits in the savings banks have increased and also the number of depositors we have in the united states a little more than eleven million men women and children who have deposits in our savings banks at the end of the war france had less than eight million depositors but four years later she had more than fifteen million six hundred thousand in other words the number of savings depositors had almost doubled the depositors include all classes of people and persons of all ages there are almost as many women as men among them many are farm hands and tens of thousands are employees in the mills and factories there are thousands of school children who have savings accounts and they are encouraged by the teachers to open them in every common school a child can deposit with his teacher amounts of one cent and upward and the agent of the postal savings banks comes around once a month and collects the sums when the child makes his first deposit he gets a bank book and when his deposits have reached a franc a bigger one is supplied parents often lay aside money in these banks so that their children may have capital with which to begin life when they reach manhood or womanhood mothers lay aside money for their daughters dowries and girls thus save for their wedding trousseaus no wonder de lesseps believed he could build a great canal from the woolen stockings of the french people and no wonder france has made such rapid recovery from the disasters of war end of chapter fifteen